0: Hello, everybody. This is the Other Side Sports Podcast with Joe Pickney and Anthony Ortiz. Anthony, how you doing today, man? Real good, having a good day. How about you, bud? Doing well, doing well, man. Got a lot to talk about, man. It's been a lot going on, and uh, so let's uh, let's get into it. And uh, first, first of all, uh, how how's how, how's how you been doing with your time off, man?
1: Oh, man, really been enjoying it. Got a good bit done around the house, removed some wallpaper out of the kitchen um, and started kind of doing some painting around the house and getting some good time with the kids. So it's been a been a really good week and seen some really good racing this week. So that's been that's made the week even better.
0: Absolutely, man. And we'll get into that. But let's uh, let's get on to a a sensitive subject, man. We, uh, you know, mean you have exchange many texts, have had many conversations. And, um, you know, so we just want to put it out there for, for you know, all our listeners. Um, you know, we want to briefly talk about the George Floyd tragedy and kind of what's, uh, what it set off in terms of our, our nation right now and the hurt and the pain and the anger, um, you know, for black people and the supporters of, you know, years of, uh, just mistrust in the police departments and, and just the overall leadership, man. And, you know, from my perspective as an African-American, you know, it, you know, just broke my heart to, uh, you know, witness that, uh, on top of the, uh, the incident here in Georgia with the, uh, with, um, Aubrey and then Breonna Taylor, the, you know, the EMT that was killed in her home, you know, we have a, uh, a systematic problem in America in terms of just the, the unfair treatment of uh, black and Brown individuals. I mean, I'm just being honest, you know, and it's being played out now on video. Um, It's being broadcast, you know, raw and, and uncut before the actual media gets it. And uh, it's, it's really, really, really got us in a a place of just um, anger um, frustration, um, you know. I don't, and I know you don't agree with how everything is, you know, being played out. The looting, the the, just the recklessness, the destroying of property. We do not condone that. I don't condone that. But I'm going to tell you, um, I've heard from countless people who are just frustrated by being slighted. Then you add on the fact that you know there's unemployment, the pandemic. I mean, it's just. Everything has just come to a head, man. And I just hope and pray that somehow, some way, our leadership um, from the president on down, listen, get a hold of this thing, man, so we can be better as a nation and better as a country. So that's just my thoughts, man. Um, You know, my prayers are out to everybody affected. And, uh, you know, that's just how I feel. Yeah, man, I, I obviously uh agree with everything
1: you said and i I feel the exact same way you do man when i saw the video the first thing that i could think is to be honest how many times does stuff like this happen where there's not a video recording of what's going on and that's what's really scary for me you know both of us have have children that are younger and you know they're going to be growing up in this society and you know as a hispanic uh a male myself, and my kids are obviously Hispanic as well, I don't want to have to grow into into a society where I have to explain to my kids that when you have interactions with the police, that that, you know, this is what you need to do to keep yourself safe. That's not something that that I wanted to have to do and I don't want them to have to deal with as well. But unfortunately that's kind of the reality of what we're living in right now. Um, the video is just, just awful. I mean, I just could not believe what I was seeing. Um, I was so outraged when I first saw that just, just, I- I've had this kind of narrative obviously for the last, Three, four years. This isn't the first time this has happened. I believe that cops should be held to a higher standard. I believe that it should be harder to be a job as a cop. I think sometimes, uh, especially in small towns like where I live, we allow people that aren't qualified to get into these jobs. And I mean, my God, this is a, a job of power where they're holding a gun. We need the, the most qualified people in this area and and to be honest for cops the for way to start it first is man we got to give these guys more salary so that we can get higher qualified people into these jobs can't be paying these guys forty thousand dollars a year because what you're get you're getting what you pay for and that's just just awful and in, in terms of of how they conduct their business and especially when they're dealing with with people of color um, and then for it to take you know an extra what basically three, four days after the fact. I mean, the video was shot Monday night and uh, the officer was not arrested until Friday. I mean, that's just just insane. The, the kind of how anybody else does something like that, it, it, they, they would be arrested within hours having a video like that. So that was really, really unfortunate. Um, Joe, we kind of talked about this, too. I have liked one thing that I liked this week was all the, the African-American guys in sports that have been t- uh, tweeting out and kind of showing their support and saying, you know, hey, I don't agree with this or, you know, stand behind, uh, you know, each other and Black Lives Matter and all that. I really like how when these tragedies happen, it brings, you know, some communities together. That's such, you know. Awesome to see. But at the same time, I know, you know, me and Joe, we talked about this personally yesterday. Both of us just so disappointed that we're not seeing, you know, Shannon Sharp brought this up on Undisputed this week. Like, we need to hear from Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. We need these big fish. You know, Caucasian with big voice guys that are out there saying this is not okay. That's really what you're going to be able to bring the ball rolling. So I'm really disappointed that we haven't heard from as many white celebrities as as we should. Um, We've heard from a few. I know, Joe, you tweeted about Joe Burrow had some. Something from him on that. But I just wish we could get more, more along the lines of those stars. Those, what I call them, big fish. Uh, we need to hear from some of these guys, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, one of the things I want to touch on too is, you know, I sent out a tweet about where are all the good cops and, and lo and behold, there are a lot of good cops out there that have been straight denounced, have called it murder. And I appreciate that because like I told you, you know, one of my buddies who's a cop and we kind of, had some tense conversations, but you know what? We we, we, we came to a resolution that um, there needs to be change and we do stand behind all good cops, all cops of whatever race or whoever is serving. We stand behind them, but you're right in terms of the white stars. Um, I get it, you know, I like, like you know, I uh, tweeted Steve O'Donnell yesterday and I basically, you know, just, it was from the heart. I basically just... From an African-American standpoint in being a, a NASCAR fan since 93, you know, um, when I look at the sport, you know, we talk, mean you always talk about us being minorities. You're Mexican-American, I'm African-American, and we catch a lot of crap from our buddies, at least I know I do, in terms of why do you support that sport because of the racial undertone, you know, but you know what? We support it because we love racing. We love the cars. We love the the, the specter of being at the track. We love the drivers who are just uber talented. And, you know, we we just love the sport. But at the same time, too, in order for, I feel, NASCAR to attract more diversity, more uh, African-Americans, Latinos, just whoever, they have to recognize some of the issues that are going on in the black community. And they're not going to know it all, you know, but they have to recognize it and recognize that it's hurting people like myself that supports NASCAR. it would just be great for those guys to, you know, just say a statement. It's not right. It's, what's, what's happening in the black community. There's a problem that's got to be addressed. I'm telling you that will go a Huge way into attracting fans in the sport.
1: Yeah. Agree with you 100%. Man, I, from, from when it comes to the football guys, I just, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and um, Tom Brady—they just have such a voice. And if we heard from just one of those guys, I'm telling you, that would really get the ball rolling from this thing where you'd have people that that would break other, you know, people out to say, "All right, you know, we got to get behind this," and we could really start making a difference uh, when it comes to the NASCAR community. I sent out a tweet as well yesterday, basically thanking uh, Steve O'Donnell. I was so happy and proud of what the tweet that I saw from Steve O'Donnell yesterday basically saying Racism is not okay And racism is what's going to bring Us as a humanity down And when I saw those words they just Man I immediately sent it right to you I'm like man NASCAR is in good hands With this guy as the, the vice president uh, You know executive vice president Of the sport I love Absolutely. everything about Steve O'Donnell man and I was so Proud of him for saying that and I also Sent a tweet out to uh, same tweet I sent it out to to Daniel Suarez And Bubba Wallace thanking them for being You know the two drivers that, that we heard from regarding Minneapolis, but man, it was also disappointing because the two drivers we hear from are of course the only African-American and the only Hispanic driver out on the track. Those are the only two we hear from. So in that same tweet, I challenged, you know, Hey, where are you guys at? Where are you at? Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, Danny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, where are you guys at to come out here and, and say something as well? And that's really what I'm looking for. Um You know, when Larson had his, Unfortunate deal that he had last month. Again, we heard from Bubba Wallace, and and we did hear from Joey Logano. I'll give Joey the credit. We did hear from Logano, who kind of came out and told Larson, said you know that he was completely against you know what Larson had did. But I wanted to hear from some of the other drivers regarding that. So yeah, man, it's just this kind of just tragedy going on in the world. I just want to hear as a as a fan, a, you know, ethnic fan that loves the sport so much. I was so happy to hear from Steve O'Donnell. That made me feel great and to see that tweet, but I definitely would love to hear from some of these drivers that I just, you know, the sport that I care about so much. I just, want them i want to know that these guys have my back and i know that they do have our back but i just want them to come out and say it and i understand you know we talked about this we know there's pr sides nascar you sponsor run the sport so you're not going to do anything to try to unattract any sponsor you have i get that i really do but sometimes it's it's bigger than that and the issue we have going on with police brutality against you know, unarmed African Americans is—it's bigger than that, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely, man. And you talk—you—you you, know—you talked about uh, Kyle Larson. You know, when he had his incident, me and you—we—we we did a pod and we said, "Listen, we did not think he was racist. He made a mistake. Definitely." But you know what? You know what? We—we—we—we we, we, we did not judge him. We un—we understand that everyone. Is capable of making a mistake. We're human, right? But you know what? We accepted his apology, and we, me and you, we both can't wait to see this young talented kid get back to NASCAR. You know, and if we lost any fans to our podcast because we said that, well, you know what? They weren't our fans to begin with. That's just how it rolls, man. So, yeah, man. You know, I, I you know, there are great, great drivers in NASCAR. We talked about. The hard work at NASCAR has done as far as diversity, the drive for diversity program, you know, Bubba Wallace's fruits of that labor, Daniel Suarez Sh- fruits of that labor. You know, you see a lot of uh, black pit crewmen. You see a lot of officials. I mean, they have gone. They have made tremendous strides, and hardcore fans like us recognize that. But the problem is. The the, the the casual fan does not. They yes. still see it as a predominantly Southern white sport. And I'm going to tell you, me and you are going to do everything in our power to make sure that we can basically bring on more diversity talk about the sport for what it is it's the cars it's the drivers it's that it's just the tracks it's the whole field it's a community like i talked about and um we're, we're going to do everything in our power to 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 grow the sport i think that's a responsibility as fans for us especially uh minority fans like us man so great great things by by us do you have any other thing you want to add before we get into this uh this great racing season
1: no, just I just, uh, you know, I think obviously the one thing that comes to mind for me with NASCAR is, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have a whole lot of African-American quarterbacks in the NFL either. And that was a big conversation piece about how, you know, how it's, it's all white quarterbacks. And now we've completely flipped that narrative to where, I mean, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but being an NFL fan as we are, I mean, what would you say, probably – Half of the league's probably got a starting black quarterback now, or pretty darn close to half the league, I would say. I mean, it's up there. So they flipped that narrative completely in the last 10 years. The the quarterback of NASCAR is the drivers. So the only way that you're gonna be able to get that diversity is you gotta get some more African-American, Hispanics, females, Asians. You gotta get some more diversity into the drivers and and then and then on top of that obviously the NFL is still working on trying to get more coaches that are African American because that's really really light I think there's only a couple coaches in the league that are African American so you know I'd love to see a day where where a crew chief is an African American crew chief or a Hispanic crew chief I mean I think that would just be fantastic so I think NASCAR's made some great strides and it's in Steve O'Donnell's hands now and I think they're in great great hands but yeah we're, we're on the way we just still got a little ways to go to get where we need to be
0: absolutely man absolutely and so yeah man great stuff by uh you know by you man and we really appreciate it for both of us uh steve you know i tweeted like you said I, st- I tweeted steve yesterday and i just spoke from the heart man and i appreciate i really appreciate with him uh responding to us i know he's busy he's got a lot going on dealing with this season in segments and they've done an excellent job man and i'm happy so let's talk some racing
1: man yeah let's talk racing all right so uh well, kind of, we haven't, last time we talked, I don't think we've done a podcast since the Coke 600. So I know the Coke 600 is about, a you know, about six days old, but just kind of touch on that a little bit because I know, man the coke 600 was was heartbreak for you man you had some heartbreak (laughs) on sunday so um yeah i thought the coke 600 was a pretty pretty solid race um kind of after the now that the week's been wrapped up man i'll tell you what the coke 600 man that is a long long race and that is hard for the casual fan i would say to sit and watch five hours of racing i mean the thing even without the rain delay i think it took four and a half hours to get through which was just man it was a long long race um i thought the racing was pretty good for the 600 um i I enjoyed wednesday night's race better honestly you know when we get to wednesday i thought wednesday's race was better but i like the coke 600 i like the no practice i think them they qualified finally for the 600 which was kind of cool they had their first qualifying session but they're still barreling it down in and um you know, no practice and going right down into turn one and starting from scratch. Um, uh, Alex Bowman had the best car early in that Coke 600. He went out and, you know, won stages and really had a fast car. Um, And then there near the end, obviously it was Chase Elliott's race to lose once they got near the end. So, Man, the Hendrick cars, that was kind of my reaction from the Coke 600. Man, the Hendrick cars were just bad fast again. I don't know what they did over the offseason at Hendrick Motorsports, but, man, in my eyes, they have surpassed everybody. Um, They have surpassed Joe Gibbs as as being the top team right now. I think Hendrick's putting out the best cars. All four guys are bad fast. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it's with maybe that new Chevrolet body that they've got, but, man, those cars were just fast. That was kind of my initial take. From the 600, obviously, uh, I know you have a take there near the end, but what'd you kind of think there about the 600?
0: Yeah, no, man, same thing. You know, obviously, we had that uh tropical depression that kind of hung around the uh the south, and uh, so credit the NASCAR once again for being able to get the race in, but yeah, you're right, the 600, you know, and for the casual fans and new fans of this podcast, it's one of the longest. Uh, races. Uh, actually, it is the longest race of the NASCAR season. It's a staple, it's a tradition. And, uh, so you're going to have to be able to have mental endurance, not only as a driver, but as a fan to be able to, uh, you know, watch that. And you're right. Most of the hardcore fans are going to hang in there for the entire 600 laps. I mean, 600 miles. That's just how it is. Um, but for the casual fan, that's going to be a race that's just gruelingly long. Yes. And actually, I, I'd be, I became a fan on the uh, Coca Six Hundred back in nineteen ninety three. So, hey, at least for me, you know, um, it didn't it didn't push me away. But yeah, man, the race was. You know, you're right about Hendrick, man. Hendrick is strong. Alex Bowman is strong. He kind of reminds me, you know, his, the way his cars perform is almost like an. Allen Iverson type of performance where you just know he's going to explode. You may not get the win, but you're going to know he's in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, uh, and uh, but yeah, man, Hendricks really strong. Jimmy, I, I'm, I'm so happy for Jimmy to be able to run well after last season. I'm just so happy for him. Obviously, uh, you know, Chase, uh, let me tell you what I've learned about Chase Elliott, and I was wrong and I, and I I I need to apologize to him. He does have the heart. He does have the drive and he does have the commitment to get it done. It's just that he's a little different than everybody. You know, he's not he's not a yeller, he's not a screamer. He's a results driven guy and I actually appreciate that. So, but um in terms of just you know, I I still like, you know, you you made me take a look at um, some of the 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 what we call small budget teams. Yes, these small budget teams are running really really well, man. I mean, the the two rookies, uh John Hunter and Tyler Reddick, impressive. Right? Yes, I I, I mean it, it's just you know Ryan Newman to be able to battle back from 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 that 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 accident in Daytona, it, it's just dude the, the racing you know, I say it every time on this podcast, the racing is awesome. And just to see these, all these teams be able to, uh, be able to, uh, you know, do their jobs. Uh, It's awesome, man. It's awesome.
1: It it is man. And, and, I I was, man, I'll tell you what, watching that Coke 600, especially as it kind of played out through, obviously every Coke 600 you get a little wall there in the middle where you're like, man, this thing is long, but you know, I'm still going to keep my eye on it, but I'm going to maybe mess around with some other things while it's on in the background. And man, all I could think of kind of early in that early to middle of that race is like, dude, like, I could really see us leaving Phoenix in November and Alex Bowman being the champion of this NASCAR season. I'm telling you, it's a real possibility. If you'd have told me before this year, hey, Alex Bowman's going to be a contender for the cup, I'd have said, man, no way. He might make the chase, but he's not going to contend. Dude, Alex Bowman could win this championship. There is, I would not be the least bit surprised if he's one of the last four you know, when they get to Phoenix at the end of the year. And and just remember, if he does get to the Final Four, you know, Phoenix being the, the new last race of the year, holding the championship race. Alex Bowman's from Tucson, Arizona, which my dad's from Tucson as well. It's only about a three-hour drive from Phoenix. So he is going to have the home, the home crowd behind him if he gets to Phoenix. And the way Excellent. that those Hendrick cars are driving right now, and those things are fast, and Alex Bowman has stepped his game up very, very well, deserving of that year, um, year extension that he got. I was really happy to see that uh, Hendricks going to have him, you know, back under contract for next year as well, because he absolutely deserves it. Dude's got, I think he's got four stage wins now, and then of course won that race in California, and easily could have won a couple others. I mean, they, they're just bad, fast, top five every week, so that was great. Now I'm going to kind of shift here to the end of that Coke 600 as much as you probably don't want to talk about it as a great big Chase Elliott (laughs) fan. Although it might sting a little less now after Thursday, but so, so yeah, man, Chase Elliott's got the race just won at the end. I mean, he is cruising. He's got it on cruise control, just driving (laughs) to the ends. And then what happens His teammate of all people, Looks like Will Billy B lost his left rear tire and ended up spinning out, and the caution comes out with like two laps to go. I mean, Chase was like literally 30 seconds away from taking the white flag and, and would have won the freaking race. So that was horrible. Um, you were kind of critical of Alan on of uh, Alan Gustafson on Twitter due to the call to come in and take tires there at the end. I tend to agree with you um I don't think obviously it wasn't the right call but I just man with two laps to go and they only had about 30 laps on their tires tire wear was not significant at Charlotte it was pretty you know pretty relaxed um for him to come in and bring Chase into the pits there as the leader I thought was just obviously it was the wrong call now from Allen's, Allen's you know to take his side a little bit that's a tough call to make because when you're the leader everybody's going to do opposite of what you do right so if you come down yep, pit road you're yep. going to stay out if you stay out they're going to come down and get four tires but i just think in that situation with only being a two-lap shootout i would take my chances with chase on older tires in the lead than i would with yep. him with new tires having to restart back in eighth tenth place where where he could get jammed up so that was a tough yep. call i know you were kind of upset about it so i kind of shift to you and kind of get your take now that you've had some time to kind of decompress on it a little bit
0: yeah man i i was i was you know because that that's one of the crown jewel races right yes absolutely we 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 had just we texted we texted that that this guy's going to get one of the crown jewels yep and man i'll I'll tell you what man you know and you you know i i was a little critical of bryron too because i felt like a guy with such car control and feel, you know, because that's one of the things Jeff Gordon, he could feel when something wasn't right. And and you know, and and I just felt like, you know, Byron knowing that his teammate was up there, he felt like something wasn't right. And I get it, he has the race for his sponsors and his fans, but I felt like you got to kind of recognize the moment and maybe know that, you know, there's something wrong. My team's up, my teammates up there. Maybe I just pull, pull into the pits or whatever, but I don't, you know, just like I said, I can't really blame him though. Cause when you're going that fast, you know, things happen quick. So I got over that real quick. Okay. Caution comes out. I was just, okay. Chase Elliott is in his mid twenties. He's in the prime of his career. Okay. Yes. You got the crown jewel on a carrot waiting for you. Your car In those last five to six laps, just before you're about to take the white flag, you're running two almost three tenths faster than everybody else. Okay, so the car is on rails, you have the best car. Yes, at that point, as a crew chief, I'm going to leave this young man out there in his prime. Okay, and I'm gonna say, you know what, you need to go get this race. And if he doesn't get the race, at least I know. he tried the best. You follow me?
1: Yes, I agree. 100.
0: There, there, there was a time when Jeff, I'll never forget, when he could have almost gone a lap down. I think it was at the uh, Daytona 500. And he drove his butt off. And guess what? He drove for about, that pack was coming at him. And he drove for about seven laps. And then there was a caution and he was not lapped, okay? Um, I remember countless of times where Dale Earnhardt Sr., would drive a car that you thought should have pit and he would hold people off. Same thing with Jimmy. So I felt like that was a defining moment for Chase and I felt like Allen took that from him. That's how I felt. I felt like that kid could have held off that field for two laps because Brad K held off the field. And I know people, he had a little buffer, but everybody was not going to go into the pits regardless if Chase didn't do that. Yes. And I know if Allen had the chance to take that back, he would have left them out there.
1: Yeah, and and the big thing for me was I think if if it would have been – if you look at the way Chase moved through the field on those last two laps, he got all the way up to third. Now, obviously, he ended up finishing second because Jimmy got disqualified in the sixth. Sure. But so if there was two more laps left, instead of that being a green-white checkered, if it had have been a four-lap run at the end – then the call to put tires on is probably the right call. You're probably going to win that race. Absolutely. But I think with just knowing that you've only got two laps and and this, the, the big thing with those restarts, man, restarts with this package are wild. I mean, there was some times in Thursday's race in in the Cook 600 where I'm like, dude, how did they not just wad up about 10 cars right there? I mean, they're going like three wide in restarts because everybody's got to get, you got to get every position you can on restarts because once the yep. field gets strung out, it's hard to make a pass. So you've really got to get everything you can. So for Chase to be in that spot, and he restarted, I want to say, like P10, P11, you know, all all that happened was one guy in front of him doesn't get going. He gets stuck for... You know, one little half a turn in the back and he's done. And that's, it looked to me like that's what happened. I watched Chase on that restart. They stacked up in front of him. He had nowhere to go. Once he got to the back stretch, he was able to fan it out and blow right by those guys. But that little, you know, half a lap, I mean, he's only got two laps. So you take half a lap away He's only got a lap and a half now to pass, you know, seven guys to get to the lead. It just wasn't going to happen. So, man, I just felt so bad for Chase at that moment because I know he wanted that Coke 600 so bad. Get that crown jewel of that. You know, I just – especially after what happened at Darlington the week before (laughs) with KB. I was like, man, I just – I just literally, you know, I, I like Chase, but I'm not near the Chase fan that you are. But I felt <laughs> for him bad on on Sunday night, man. And I was just, it, it was rough. But but I will say it was awesome. You know, obviously with, with Chase not winning, Brad K takes the victory. And I thought it was pretty cool. Brad K does his normal take Old Glory out for a ride on the track. And to do that on yeah. Memorial Day, you know, Sunday night slash early Monday morning from Memorial Day with the end of that six hundred. I thought that was that was a really cool sight to see Brad with Old Glory taking a nice nice victory lap on Memorial Day. I thought that was that was really cool.
0: Absolutely, one thing you say about Brad K. He really really respects the the, the flag and the in the veterans and, and NASCAR as a whole. I mean, they do a tremendous job. I I thought the uh, pre race was awesome. And, um, yeah, man, so great, great event all the way around. Uh, you know, not necessarily happy for Brad K winning, and that goes back to when he spent Gordon out in Texas when Gordon had the winning car and the drive for five was a lot, but that's neither here or there, right? Absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> that was, and and yeah, I think Gordon actually mentioned something about that on the broadcast on Thursday night. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh God, I, I wish Jeff could have gotten that fifth. But anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, let's talk about Thursday, man. Th- I, Thursday's, Thursday's race. I really feel that Thursday's race and the length of the race, the amount of laps, the time that it took, I really think that's the future. And in 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 a lot of these, not not I mean, not, you know, uh, your crown jewels like the 600 and things of that nature i think they should stay that way you know but in terms of um this this uh weekday racing and also the length that was the perfect race for me i was engaged from the drop of the green until the race uh was over and it you know yeah it was icing on the cake because chase won but the overall product was exceptional how do you
1: feel Exact same way, man. I really, really enjoy one. I really enjoy midweek races. I think that it's great in the middle of the week to have that, you know, hey, I got the race coming on tonight. Obviously, I didn't work this week. So, I mean, I didn't get that come home from work and get to watch the race type of thing. But that just the week before at Darlington, I did have that. And it's just man come home from work on a wednesday night or a thursday night where there's generally not a whole lot going on and you know eat your dinner and get you know some family stuff done and then about seven o'clock sit down in the recliner and you get you know two and a half hours of just amazing nascar racing it's just fantastic i love it um the shorter races i think they're here to stay i've been saying that actually about shorter races for the last two three years um it's just it's something that needs to happen they they gotta be able to fit these races in that three. Hour allotment that, like, an NFL game has. You know what I mean? Yeah. An NFL yep. game's a three hour deal and it's over. But when you start getting to that four or five hours into races, it's just. People don't have that kind of time now, especially with the, you know, everybody seems like they're always in a rush nowadays. Everybody's, you know, trying to get to the next spot. Got a lot going on type of thing. So I think you got to be able to consolidate those races down to the three hours. If you take away the rain delay from Thursday night, the race was two and a half hours. That's like the same amount of time you would spend watching an NBA game. So I was very happy with the, the time. I'm with you. I think that the Crown Jewel races, Daytona 500, Coke 600, Brickyard 400, Southern 500, those races should stay, the long races. But maybe you do eight to ten long races a year, and then maybe the other ones, you know, you just shorten them up into that to fit in that three-hour allotment. You know what I mean? Maybe you run one 500-lap race at Bristol, but maybe the second race at Bristol, you, you go 300 laps or something like, you know, that nature. I think it's something they could really look at. And um that that and the the amount of, of less amount of practice that we've gotten out of this you know whole COVID nineteen pandemic and what NASCAR's done on the fly I think those are two things that I think NASCAR should really look at as uh, staying around um, I mean. I don't feel the racing has been any, has gotten hurt at all, not even one little bit by having lack of practice. What do you think about that? Have you noticed anything with lack of practice, like affecting the product at all?
0: No, I have not. As a matter of fact, I I think um, the sense of urgency is there. I mean, from the drop of the green, man, the sense of urgency is there. I I think that this is going to be the new way from NASCAR, in in my opinion, man. I just think. You know, listen, it tells you about the product that they have because I'm going to tell you right now, man, I love my NASCAR fans. I love seeing the tracks, you know, just packed with fans. But at the same time, the product is so good that only time I miss the fans is when victory lane. Yep, happens. exactly. I, I mean, I'm serious, man. So, so, so the, the race has been great. And, 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 for example, remember I talked to you about just the, 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 the uh parody you know you had four Chevrolets in the top 10 four fours you had two Toyotas but uh you had Redick and John Hunter 13 14 Matty D 15 I mean it, it, it dude it's it's just the race was two hours and 29 minutes yep yeah, I, I agree.
1: And, and, you know, the thing for practice for me is I kind of, we said this way back on our initial podcast, one of the first ones we did, I said, you know, to make this sport better, you got to get these smaller teams up near the front so that we have 25, we 30 Absolutely. cars. Well, by, by lessening practice time, all that's doing is saving these teams money. Cause now they're not, they're not keeping these guys in hotels another day. You know, some of these tracks, man, they're keeping these guys in hotels and meals and all that Fridays, Saturday all the way into Sunday, they're arriving at the track Friday morning, and they gotta stay until Sunday when the race is over. Not to mention the extra tires they're putting on these cars, the extra yep. you know fuel they're burning. I mean, like I say, just yep. to, just to even just think about just alone, you know, one set of tires. And some fuel and then an extra two nights where you putting your whole team up in a hotel room for some of these smaller teams. I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars here just to practice. And I just think that I think if you want to have a practice, I don't I'm not saying don't have any practice at all when they get back, you know, to to a normal schedule. But I think you can go, hey, we're going to do a 30 minute practice session. And then we're going to, uh, you know, do our tech inspection. Then we're going to qualify and then we're going to race. I think you could do it all in one day. I think those days of having a, you know, two hour and a half long practice sessions and then a 45 minute happy hour. I just think those days are over. I just don't think it's necessary anymore. Um, yeah. When it comes to the product, the racing that we saw Thursday night. Love the race on Thursday night. Those guys were up on the wheel right from the start. Um, you know, saw a lot of di- diversity in the drivers. Again, lots of drivers up there up front. Um, and the thing that I love about these double header races too, man, is some of the same guys are fast in both races, but you also get guys that weren't fast on Sunday that were blazing fast on Thursday night. And that's kind of cool. It's not like you're not getting the same race twice. It's completely different. Kevin Harvick, I thought, had the field covered on Thursday night. And he was not one of the faster cars for the 600. But Thursday night, he just looked like that car was on rails. Um, And it was. But, unfortunately, for Kevin, it was only on the rails for about 30 laps. And then, on the long run, he really struggled. And at the end of the race, they have a super long run. And, you know, shoot, he ended up finishing, like, 10th, man. He went way yep. up to the back on that long run there at the end. Um, was super impressed with Tyler Reddick and John Hunter Nemechek. I feel like I'm saying this every week, but, man, those guys, Tyler Reddick is a star in this sport. I got that out of, you know, these last two races. I, I'm i just even more convinced Tyler Reddick is going to be a star in this sport in a year or two. I really, really believe that. And, and John Hunter Nemechek, what he's doing with that small – front row motorsports team has just been unbelievable and i'm hoping that maybe some of these cost saving metrics are what's helping front row motorsports bring better cars and and more money to the track for john hunter but whatever they're doing man john hunter has just been great in that ride and i was really really happy to see see what he did on thursday night finished 13th and running up in the top 10 most of the race was just great run for john hunter
0: yeah, man. And you know, you know what remember one of the things I I ta- I told you that I was gonna start doing because you, you actually got me focusing on the smaller budget yes. teams. Cole Custer, Cole Custer, eighteenth, Corey LeJoy. Great run for Corey, man. Awesome run Absolutely. for him. Christopher Bell, twenty first, Chris Bushler, twenty second, Ryan Priest, twenty-fourth, Michael McDowell, twenty fifth, suarez, twenty eighth, Bubba ran good. I, I mean it's, it's deep, man. It's deep. I think whatever I, I think that because of the you, you don't you don't have the practice time, like because I, I think those practice times and things of that nature, it probably gave the big budget teams even more time to pull away. before. Yes. You know what I'm yes.
1: 100 100 <laughs> percent and and those big budget teams have more cars generally you got a four-car team so now you know a a two-hour practice but you got four cars up there is really an eight-hour practice because you're all sharing nights as to where a team like you know that's a single car small operation like a bubba wallace for instance they're coming on with the notepad making a run and then making it they're doing it they're having to do that you know make a run make a change make a run with with no notes not a whole lot of technical data so yeah man i was i was really impressed with what i saw from. From Bubba Wallace on Thursday night he had a really fast car was up in the top 10 yep. hated that he had that what happened was it looks like his brake pedal went to the floor that's when he got into the wall he had a, a hub a wheel hub broken fortunately for Bubba man that happened to him in the 600 as well so both Charlotte races he yeah. ran well and had a brake hub a wheel hub issue which that's pretty rare to have that in NASCAR um, and then somebody else that had a great run Thursday night man man, what about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Man? Finished third on Thursday night. Was just yeah, up man. There. So
0: happy for Ricky, man. Oh.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that JTG Darty racing, not a big team. I love me some Brad Darty. So I was loving seeing uh his yep, car up there absolutely. running in the top top three so yeah Ricky did a great job and they needed a good run because you know I was obviously a little critical of Ricky there at Darlington the first race back when he wrecked it on lap one I thought that was a bonehead move to try to go four wide there and you know coming out of turn two but man Ricky's ultra talented if he can hold some of that aggression and that driving style down just a little bit and be more consistent on the track the dude is uber talented. He was he showed that when he was in the Xfinity Series and pretty much showed that the last several years in the Cup Series. He just, when he finishes races, he'll find his way to the front. He just has to control that aggression a little bit, and he did a fantastic job Thursday night to get third place. That was a great run.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And you talked about some of the struggles of uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, I know Truex has kind of been – hot and cold but uh Kyle, Kyle Bush has been just a little off too so and Denny you know Denny you know he won the uh the 500 but I still think Denny's been inconsistent too like sporadically fast things of that nature so they 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 they're obviously behind in uh, you know certain areas and we know Hendrick right now and is pretty dominant but uh yeah man I it it's you know to me this 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 season this has probably been one of the best seasons you know in the past uh, couple of years in my eyes you know no
1: i i, I i'm no. loving it i'm loving it and i can't wait till tomorrow absolutely i agree with you and man just to kind of piggyback off your gibbs uh you know talking about gibbs i saw the stat yesterday on twitter that just blew my mind kyle bush only has 14 laps led so far this year eight races and he's only led 14 laps that is not traditional you know kb style kb's generally when he wins races he dominates races and leads 100 you know a 300 lap race so lead 200 of the 300 laps and win the race so to only have 14 laps led was could not that's just a crazy stat so joe gibbs definitely they they're not way far off by any means they're not like you know way back but to me hendrick motorsports i think is the number one organization right now and i think team penske is probably number two i mean you got eight races yep. eight races and team penske's won. have they won i think brad's got is that brad's second win or was that his first i know they won at least three out of eight
0: no, I, I think that's Brad's first. And Joey's think, got uh, two. Joey's got two. So yeah, that's yeah. three out of yeah. eight.
1: So man, that's I'd say right now it's probably Hendrick one, Penske two, and Gibbs has fallen to three. So yeah, they've yep, got some. They definitely got some work to do. But yeah, man, this racing this year has been outstanding. And the parity that's that's what's really helped it to me. Last year the Gibbs cars were just kind of in like a league of their own. They were just dominating earlier in the year The Hendrick cars were struggling. Penske was okay. um, But now this year to have, you know, all these teams up there and then Stuart Haas, Stuart Haas has really taken a step back this year. It seems like to me, Kevin Harvick's fast at times, but, He doesn't have that dominant factor that he's had in the past. So I think they got a little bit of work to do. And Joe Gibbs racing's got a little bit of work to do. And once they get caught up with the other guys, man, we could really see some phenomenal racing here going into the
0: summer. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Hey, man, let's preview uh, Bristol tomorrow. Who you got? Oh,
1: man. So this is a tough one for me because I'm not going to lie, man. I left my heart on my sleeve the last time we were at Bristol last uh, August, watching my boy Maddie D come like ten laps from winning that freaking race, man. That that race still gives me like nightmares when I go to bed. Just man, Matt takes the lead with 100 to go, holds it all the way, gets a little bit of damage from Newman, trying to lap him, and Denny ends up passing Matty D with like 10 to go, and Matt finishes second. So my heart really wants to pick Matty D this week to get his first win, but I just can't do that because I don't want to jinx him for one, and I don't want to (laughs) just be a total homer and go with my guy. I do think Matt D is going to be really strong uh, tomorrow. Don't be, if you got, you know, you do the fantasy Draft Kings type of deal. Maddie D is going to be a person that I would have in my lineup. Uh, Paul Menard finished sixth in this race last year in the 21 car, Matt. We finished second in the night race, uh, 12th in the spring race. So that car is going to be up there. He's going to be super fast. But for a winner, man, I just got this Bush feeling. I think it's going to be one of the Bush brothers. They own Bristol. Both of them are great at Bristol. I think they got 10 wins together. So I think I'm going to go with the outlaw on tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to go that little outlaw style. I like his aggressive style. And I just think it's it's outlaw weekend. I think Kurt Busch is going to win tomorrow
0: oh my goodness man i was gonna go with the outlaw too but you know what i'm you know me, you know me and you we always go with somebody different i'm actually gonna go back to back jack nice chase elliot chase elliot back to
1: back <laughs> uh, uh, that's not a chase runs really good at bristol um but I, I will tell you one thing I'd love to see. I would love to see about five laps to go and Kyle Busch is in the lead and Chase is in second place right on his bumper. i like to see what Chase would do to Kyle in that situation after that Darlington incident, you know, last week. I'd like to see, see what Chase would do because I hope he put the bumper to him. I think we need to see some of that from Chase. So, yeah, I'll be rooting for him tomorrow too.
0: Absolutely, man, absolutely. My man, this was great, man. Uh, hope hopefully the fans enjoyed it, and uh, you know, once again, thank you. Big shout out to uh, Steve O'Donnell, uh, Vice President of NASCAR, for reaching out to both of us, man. It's, it's it's it it that's not forgotten on us. Um, you know, the race tomorrow is going to be exciting, man. And you know, you know, just want you know, praying for healing for our country, man. You
1: Absolutely, know? I cannot wait. To, to Thursday night, I got lost in NASCAR for two and a half hours and just, you know, forgot about everything else that's going on in the world. And and that's what I look forward to tomorrow. I just can't wait to just turn that race on and just let my mind just get lost in 500 laps of just nonstop action at Bristol. Um, And, and then for you, you know, I, I say this for these midweek races, but man, if, if you know somebody who's thirsting for sports right now and you're a new fan man turn them on to bristol tomorrow because i guarantee you if you've never seen a race before and one of the first races you turn on is a bristol race you're gonna have somebody instantly fall in love with this sport so definitely i urge all the fans to get get some new viewers out there in front of the tv tomorrow because it's gonna be it's gonna be wild
0: absolutely man great job man Well, everybody have a great day, man, and can't wait for the race tomorrow. All
1: right, man. You too, Joe. Thank you.